Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. This episode was recorded live on May 21st, 2013 at the Nerd Melt Showroom here in Los Angeles, where you can catch the show the third Tuesday of every month at 9 p.m. On this episode, you'll hear round two of the competition, which features comedians Zach Sherwin, Dan Telford, James Fritz, John Daly, and Aaron Gibson. They're all reading erotic fan fiction pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions that they received at the top of the show. So first you'll hear them choosing their topics, and then we'll jump 30 minutes into the future when they return to the stage to read. To hear what transpired in those 30 minutes, download episode one, where five other comics perform pieces they wrote in advance based upon subjects of their own choosing. That episode features Rhea Butcher, Matt Kirshen, Rob Gleason, Alice Wetterland, and Jim Hamilton with special guest La Bamba from Conan. Welcome your round two contestants, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Gibson, Zach Sherwin, Dan Telfer, James Fritz, and John Daly. Thanks, buddy. Let's start with Aaron Gibson. Keep it going for Aaron Gibson, ladies and gentlemen. Just step right up there. Oh, oh I'll do the drum. I've done this before, all right? Okay, calm this down. isn't as easy as it looks. So here's how this works. If she likes the first suggestion she gets, she can just take it and run with it. If she doesn't like it, she can choose a second one, but then you guys vote based on applause on which one she gets stuck with. So, Aaron, your first suggestion is Spice Girls. Yes. Take it, Spice Girls. It's as easy as that. Dan Telfer, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it going for Dan Telfer. Your first one is James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> You're a little bit ashamed that you want that so bad. All right. Zach Sherwin, ladies and gentlemen. Zach, how do you feel about Pac-Man? I'll uh, I'll take my option. All right, all right. It's very specific. The 1995-96 Chicago Bulls. Big, big sports fan, Zach. Big sports fan. Uh, who would like to hear what is probably in his wheelhouse? Pac-Man. Literally, not even the person who suggested it. 95, 96 Chicago Bulls? Zach Sherwin, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it going for James Fritz. You cannot. You can have Bob Saget. Do you want Bob Saget? Just the concept of Bob, Bob the, the very idea. The notion of one Mr... Robert Sackett. Gambling man. Your next option is the Berenstain Bears. <laughs> which I'm pretty sure you're going to get stuck with. Does anyone want to hear Bob Saget? <laughs> almost, almost no one. Berenstain, it's just Bob Saget. Berenstain Bears. And keep it going for John Daly, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited. Ooh, I like this. 
By the way, this, uh, oh, that's Bob Seger. I thought it, somebody. I thought they'd also written Bob Saget, but they they wrote Bob Seger, but they crossed it out, and then they wrote Ian and crossed that out. I don't, I don't know who that was going to be. It's not even a clue. It's not even a clue. And finally, they gave us Mel Brooks. So, how do you feel about Mel Brooks? Take the next one. Take the next one. We've got very specific Lorraine McFly. Marty McFly's mom from Back to the Future. <laughs> Marty McFly's so, mom from Back to the Future. That was am I right? Am I right? Lorraine was his mom. Yeah. All right. So who wants to hear Mel Brooks? Woo! Mel Brooks. <laughs> who wants to hear Lorraine from Back to the Future? <laughs> Lorraine McFly. Lorraine McFly. It is. Let's hear for your round two comics. Give it up for Aaron Gibson, ladies and gentlemen, your first competitor in round two. Hi, everybody. Slam it to the left if you're having a good time. Shake it to the right if you know that you feel fine. Cheek is to the front. Hi, see, ya. Hold tight. This was the last night the Spice Girls would ever sing these words together. They headed backstage the last night of their 2007-2008 reunion tour. (laughs) Filled with sweat and adrenaline, they sat in their dressing room, each of them in a specifically designed space as per demanded in their individual riders. (laughs) Scary Spice laid in her leopard print jungle-themed dressing area while Sporty Spice slammed her Gatorade and kicked a soccer ball around, (laughs) trying to get out that last bit of stage energy. Baby Spice ate Gerber foods and changed her own diaper. (laughs) Posh Spice read Vanity Fair, all while Ginger Spice just sat on a stool and thought about her red hair. (laughs) Soon, the reality of the situation hit them. This was their last night together again. (laughs) Scary Spice, a.k.a. Mel B, said, Ladies, I love you so fucking much. I can't believe we'll never see each other again. Except for reality shows and tabloids, or if I ever hang out with Eddie Murphy again on account of that, I put a... gave a baby to me. (laughs) Posh Spice... Victoria Beckham stood up slowly, barely able to move in her Hervé Leger spandex dress and expressed her sadness. I'll be sad to go home to one of the hottest soccer stars in the world along with my eerily thin children. They all nodded in agreement. They loved each other, kind of. And this was the end. A tear fell down each one of the middle-aged fake pop stars' faces. They walked in to the middle of their huge room, a room that probably could be shelter for a million homeless people, but whatever, I guess they earned it for some fucking reason. (laughs) They walked to the middle of the room, hugged, and took in their last moments together. They pressed their British bodies against one another. The weight of their looming separation hit them in a way they didn't expect. They all got super fucking horny. (laughs) A thing that wasn't hard for them, since a lot of them were in Playboy and used their looks to get things they didn't deserve. (laughs) It's true.
true, guys. <laughs> Ginger Spice kicked it off, needy for affection on account of her having a name based only on the color of her, of her hair, not a special talent. She grabbed Baby Spice, who was wearing a pink onesie made for an adult, slowly unsnapped the crotch part, and pulled it over her head. Baby Spice stood there naked, trembling with anticipation, while the other girls looked on, shocked, as they'd never seen her looking like an adult before. (laughs) Baby Spice made her move, reaching towards Scary and unclipping her weave. (laughs) Slowly, sensually, with the care of a lover who's also a friend. (laughs) Scary Spice wasted no time in extending both hands, one ripping off Sporty Spice's breakaway Adidas pants. and the other hand tearing off Posh's $400,000 dress. <laughs> they stood, staring at each other's bodies, wondering who would make the first move. But just as they've done on their stage shows, they moved together. As if at some point a choreographer had worked with them for months to get all of the moves just right. Baby Spice bent over and revealed her butthole to the group. <laughs> A sacrificial and bold offering. But all the girls wanted a piece. Each taking turns gently licking the pale Welsh flesh around her sensitive virgin virgin butthole. Sporty Spice took her hand, made it like this, and inserted it slowly into Ginger Spice's vagina. Both of them discovering at the same moment that Sporty's hand was a perfect fit. (laughs) The girls loved chocolate, and they'd asked for tons of it in their room. But with all this girl-on-girl sex, the heated air melted all the chocolate, giving Scary Spice an idea. She took five from Baby Spice's butthole, grabbed a candy dish overflowing with melted Swiss chocolate, and poured it all over Posh. Posh rubbed the hot confection all over her fake boobs and her flat stomach and then motioned for Scary to get on. They moved around until their legs parted in such a way so that their spice gore girl clits rubbed one another until magically they, along with the other girls, climaxed at the same time. Hi, see, ya, hold tight! They lay there exhausted, fulfilled, and crying because it had all been so, so beautiful. Now that the room had quieted, they heard something strange, a noise they recognized but couldn't explain. Suddenly from the shadows, David Beckham emerged, his H&M underwear wrapped around one ankle. One person knows that he's a model for H&M in this audience. David was jerking off so furiously you'd think his dick was in danger of flying off. But his dick didn't fly off. (laughs) He started coming, and he came with all his British-slash-American soccer player cumness. His pal Tom Cruise had taught him how to come without ejaculating. (laughs) But this was not the night for that. Beckham screamed, coming the hardest he'd ever come in his whole life. The girls stared in awe as they watched him 
spray them with the most beautiful jizz there ever was. <laughs> Except he couldn't stop coming. And soon the girls were drowning in spooge. Like that scene in the abyss when the divers have to inhale the water that's oxygenated. And they're just like choking on it. They were doing that, trying to breathe, but they couldn't because there was so much goddamn David Beckham come. They each died at different rates. And Sporty was the last to go on account of her cardiovascular superiority. It was a sad night, but because of the space the Spice Girls left in pop culture, we have Korean pop. So it all worked out in the end. <laughs> Aaron Gibson. <laughs> Who else do we have for round two? Zach, are you ready? I think Zach Sherman. Zach Sherman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the date was December 31st, 1995. <laughs> And the Chicago Bulls were having a New Year's party. (laughs) The whole gang was there. Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen. John Stockton. Nope, turned out he wasn't there. But the whole team was sweetly oblivious to the fact that one day their names would appear in black and white on Wikipedia. (laughs) Randy Brown. Judd Buchler. Jason Caffey, the rookie. James Edwards. Jack Haley. Ron Harper. Steve Kerr. Tony Kukoc. Luke Longley. Dennis Rodman. John Sally. Dickie Simpkins. And Bill Wennington. and a little player by the name of Michael Jordan. (laughs) Coach Phil Jackson entered the room and clapped his hands. All right, guys, he said. As you know, just last night, we beat Atlanta. It was a close game, 95 to 93, and Michael scored 33 points. But let's forget all that. Tonight, let's not worry about the on-court pressure. Let's just relax and have fun. Caffey, the rookie, piped up. Hey, guys, it's cool to be hanging out with the team for New Year's and all, but I want to be with my wife on a night like this. Everyone else in the room, all male, shared a glance. The rookie had not been to a Bulls New Year's party before. (laughs) Things were fairly sedate while the gargantuan specimens of... I didn't, I didn't finish that sentence. <laughs> but imagine them dining. But a keenly trained nose, attuned to the nuances of pumping testosterone, might have detected a special bouquet in the musk that undeniably began permeating the air in the room. As the players schmoozed and boozed, the sexual tension got thicker and thicker. More and more eyes began to flick to one man, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> He was gnawing on a turkey leg by this point, and his tattoos rippled as he clenched the fowl's limb in his grasp. He picked up the jewel-becrusted flagon he used at all banquet-like settings. 
<laughs> threw back the expensive Chablis it held and slammed his fists on the table. It's time for the running of the bulls, he bellowed. <laughs> but instead of running in Spain, let's run onto each other's dicks until semen runs from our dicks. <laughs> The assistant coach, the very unremarkably named Tex Winter, (laughs) screamed, Viva San Fermin! Echoing the benediction of the actual running of the bulls in Pamplona, Spain, another piece of information available on Wikipedia. (laughs) And with that, the cue had been given. Red basketball shorts and sweaty jerseys tumbled to the floor. Everyone was wearing red thong underwear. Even Coach Jackson. All were waiting. Chests heaving. Flesh glistening. Waiting for someone to make the first move. Like a dutiful team, the players followed their coach's lead. Phil Jackson, his erection bulging to the size of a Fiji water bottle. What if I hadn't heard it? strode up to the rookie Caffey, took a butt cheek firmly in each hand, and said, This basketball is in need of inflating. Pressed his lips to Caffey's nozzle and began to blow. The still-clad Caffey, who until now had been paralyzed by the all-male humpathon, <laughs> he could see about to unfold before him. Uh, that was paralyzed by the all-male hubathon. He could see a bunch of He had no idea what this New Year's had in store. What the fuck, he yelled. What is going on? What, you didn't expect it? Scotty Pippen asked. I mean, just listen to our names. They're like fake names of gay porn stars. <laughs> yeah, said Luke Longley. <laughs> right, said Dennis Rodman. Totally, said Dickie Simpkins. <laughs> you betcha, said Tony Kukoc, whose first name was spelled T-O-N-I and whose last name ended in the letters K-O-C. <laughs> and don't forget me, said Randy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> now, said assistant coach John Paxson, we may not be able to jump, but let me show you that white men can hump. And with, and with that, in an act that would have seared James Naismith's eyes out of his head, inventor of basketball. Paxson stripped off Caffey's shorts and slid in a cock so huge that if you laid it out on the parquet floor and took a shot from the end that was not directly under the basket and you made that shot, the shot might very well be worth three points. (laughs) Caffey had been horrified, but the tip he felt poking against his prostate felt anything but foul. (laughs) Paxson blew a load inside him that felt like a Gatorade squeeze bottle being emptied, rubbed his head affectionately, and moved on to start jerking it in the corner and working up another boner. Jack Haley strode by Caffey, Frenched the fuck out of him. 
and said, this is one New Year's you'll never forget. And with that, he plopped Kathy on his veiny fungo bat (laughs) and turned him around to watch the dais. There, two mighty Tauruses stood grinning at each other, their faces and chests already smeared with each other's spit, shit, and (laughs) pre-cum. Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan bumped fists and nodded. Then Jordan knelt. Jackson turned around, spread his hairy white flabby butt cheeks apart, and said, Your coach wants you to take it to the hole, Mike. (laughs) This is going to be a slam dunk, Jordan replied and stuck out that famous tongue of his. (laughs) What ensued was too much for one exhausted, cramped hand to transcribe. (laughs) Suffice it to say that when Jackson finally bellowed his puffing climax, his eyes crossing with the force of his orgasm, the nose through the beefy head of his cock so reminiscent of the one in an actual bull's nose. Oh, this... Okay. Intermittently visible as it pumped in and out of seemingly every hole in MJ's body. At that climactic moment, he seemed so overheated that the team had no recourse but to dump a cooler of sports drink on him to cool him down. (laughs) The fucking continued a second round as the players' ultra-short refractory periods ran their course. Kathy... (laughs) Kathy ran from player to player, threading his way through a labyrinth of orgiastic, perfect physical specimens. He paused to let John Sally blow a load on his face. Eat my unborn children's ghosts, Sally said. His head thrown back in ecstasy. And with all the fruits and mazes already in evidence, this reference to unborn ghosts, to eating ghosts, only reinforced Cappy's perception that he was in a human game of Pac-Man. <laughs> the players' exertions ran their courses. Their chests heaved. They did not yet know that they would go on to have a 72-10 season, setting an NBA record and becoming the only team to ever win 70 regular season's games. As they took their final strokes and their balls dropped away from their assholes and dicks, the stroke of midnight occurred, and on TV, Dick Clark screamed Happy New Year as the balls dropped. Ball dropped. Fuck, I blew it. (laughs) It was 12 a.m. on January 1st, and they were officially the 1995-1996 Chicago Bulls. Thank you. Zach Sherwin... Keep it going for John Daly, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. John Daly. Thank you. All right. Lorraine McFly. There we go. <laughs> Lorraine McFly. Okay. What a sock hop. <laughs> Lorraine Catherine McFly opened her powder blue sweater and let her wet-from-dancing blouse dry out. She lit a cigarette, striking a bad girl pose. Hello! A voice cried out. Who is it? asked Lorraine into the darkness, blowing smoke out of her lacquered lips. Her pointy 50s tits heaved up and down. (laughs) Heaved up and down as she scratched her itchy butt and belly. Who are you? 
A figure walked out of the light. It was Doc, the town scientist. <laughs> hey, Doc. Hey there, Lorraine. Oh, I was just hanging out outside the sock hop as all the high school is filed out. All the sweaty high schoolers are filing out. I was checking them out. Swell, shrugged Lorraine, a little concerned. Doc smelled like he had a pussy that he hadn't washed in years. It's one of the things I like to do. Look after the kids. See which boys are becoming handsome. And which girls are developing, if you know what I mean. Fascinating, said Lorraine. It's science what I'm doing. It's science. Of course it is, said Lorraine. Say, little lady, how'd you and your friends like to come back to my house and play around in my lab? I've got a time machine, and it's pretty neato. <laughs> sure thing. I'll go get some of my dumbest, stupidest sluts in my high school, Valley Brook High School. These girls are dumb. Their pussies are wet as fuck. <laughs> and they don't take no for an answer. If you don't want to fuck them until they come and impregnate them with a little scientist, well, sir... These psycho bitches will strap on a fucking chainsaw-sized dildo made of splintery wood and drill your old ass so hard you wake up in 1985. <laughs> What's that you say? Did you say 1985? <laughs> I'm building a time machine. Making use of my biggest discovery, the flux capacitor. Shut the flux up, you wrinkled dick. Lorraine kicked Doc in the ball so hard he takes his shit. <laughs> poop rolls down his leg onto the ground. He looked down at the poop. He was bummed out. <laughs> you sick, disgusting dirtbag. Ooh, yeah, baby. Tell me what I am. I'm a big shit, baby. Tell me what I am, baby. You're a big slut. And we're coming to your house, and we're going to fuck the shit out of your wrinkled dick, you fucking asshole. If you don't knock each one of us fuck whores up with a scientist, baby. Hey, sluts, let's go! Doc barked like a fucking dumb dog. There they were at the science lab. This is my science lab, buddy. This is where all the time travel stuff I've been... Shut the fuck up, you cunt bitch, and get that D hard. <laughs> okay. Come on, Marty. Come on, little Marty. Hey, you meatbag cunt, shriek Larice, sh shriek Lorraine McFly. Is Marty your cock's name? That's what you call that little... Little cock? You call it Marty? I call it Marty sometimes, yeah. Okay, here's what I like. The name Marty for a kid. But here's what I hate. You're disgusting cock, you piece of shit. It looks like a little bean. Ha ha ha, the other high school age sluts cackled. They were gathered in a corner eating Doc's bagels. 
I'm drunk as fuck, said one slut. I'm fucking drunk, said another. Then another slut piped up. Fucking drunk is what I am. All right, you sick cunts, shut up. Doc, meet the sluts who are about to rape you. That's Candy. What up? I'm black. That's Wonder Woman. What's up? I'm North Korean. That's Dave. What's up? I'm a big plus size meaty bitch who's a dude. What's up? I'm nuts. I'm a primordial dwarf that didn't cook long enough in my mommy. I like to fuck. Doc looked down. His dick still looked like a fucking little melted puddle of soft ice cream in the middle of the ocean. Oh no, thought Doc. He knew the deal. If he couldn't make these jailbait high school slag heaps come, he wasn't gonna get raped. He was gonna get raped all the way to 1985. All of a sudden, sparks started flying. Boom, boom. Oh no, it was nuts. The primordial dwarf. She stuck her strap-on dildo into Doc's flux capacitor maker, and because it's a 50s dildo, it's made of fucking sheet metal. So, boom. That dwarf exploded. Oh, shit, here we go. It was amazing that it took a dwarf exploding for Doc's needle dick to move the needle on the hardness scale. But apparently that's what it took. Unfortunately, that's what the fuck it took because also that little albino pig fetus cock stood at attention. Wonder Woman spoke up. Yo, I got no fuck with no shitty dick, little belly button dick. (laughs) Candy spoke up. Yo, your dick looked like my son's belly button. Dave spoke up. Dick looks like a belly button. (laughs) Nuts the dwarf said nothing, having exploded. (laughs) Shing! Lorraine Catherine McFly popped out her switchblade and sliced off Doc's loser dick. (laughs) Put it in the fridge for later. Eating dick calms my stomach, said Wonder Woman. (laughs) Okay, said Lorraine. Bend over, time-traveling faggot said Dave as he revved up the super dildo. She shoved his ass all the way to his brain. (laughs) Then they were in 1985. Uh Uh-oh. Ah! Doc slid off the dildo onto a pile of Walkmans and fluorescent ski goggles. (laughs) Oh my God, Marty, it's 1985. Who's Marty, you no-dick bitch? Besides, your ass is hanging out. Doc looked back, and yes, indeed it was. His rectum and intestines were hanging out of his butt. Like he put 10 M80s in his butt. His rectum and intestines were hanging out of his butt like he had just put 10 M80s in his butt. This one's walking dead, says Candy. She snapped this switchblade and scalped Doc. This'll be good for later. Then she poked his jugulars so he could bleed out on the Walkmans and goggles. (laughs) Then, in walk Crockett and Tubbs Miami Vice. (laughs) Tubbs' black dick is hard as a diamond. And Crockett's was hard as shit and it was tan. (laughs) It was fucking insane. Tubbs spoke up. Let's tag these high school hoes. 
This is the kind of cock we've been waiting for, said Lorraine Catherine McFly. <laughs> these are the high school sluts that let's fuck these Miami Vice cops, said the sluts in unison, dead-eyed. <laughs> then the Miami Vice cockmasters took those sock cop sluts to cockledge. Gave them AIDS and then drowned them in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Thank you. John Daly. Who's ready? Fritz, you ready? James Fritz, give me over James Fritz. Uh, I had the, the Bernstein Bears. <laughs> <clears throat> Brother and sister bear awoke in the treehouse to the sound of honey bear crying. She was just a baby. And, <laughs> and this had become a nightly ritual in, in the home, her screams echoing through the holler of Bear County. Honey bear could barely sleep. Honey bear could barely. Sleep through a single night ever since Mama Bear left the family to hit the road with the Country Bears Jamboree Band after they came through town, leaving Papa, Brother, and Sister Bear to raise young Honey alone while she tried to relive a youth she never had. (laughs) Passed around from band member to band member. So much semen and Jack Daniels dried into her matted fur that when she turned her body, even slightly, she cracked and flaked like she was a demon statue and Sigourney Weaver was inside of her trying to get out. (laughs) But Papa Bear had a plan. He had just been waiting. He knew the baby just needed its mother. Not for comfort, not for love, but for milk. And he'd fucked Sister Bear like nine months ago, so she was lactating like a motherfucker by now. (laughs) When Brother and Sister Bear went to wake him up, he decided it was time to teach them a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Kids, he said, grab the baby. It's time you learned how to breastfeed. What the fuck, screamed Sister Bear. This is sick. Can't I just whip a milky titty out and it'll know what to do? It's natural. None of this is natural, Papa Bear screamed. <laughs> I want to show you. Sit down on the bed, Brother Bear, Papa Bear said, shoving him down, shoving his son down, and as he slowly unbuckled one side of his overalls. But, Dad, shut your mouth. The name's Papa. <laughs> Sister Bear tried to leave, but was too slow. So, slum- so clumsy and swollen with child that in her haste she fell on her stomach with such force that she immediately miscarried and shat herself. <laughs> Instinct took over and she started to try to clean it up. Leave it there, Papa Bear said. Just leave it. Then, turning his attention back to Brother Bear, he bared his teeth and bit into his son's nipple, gorging on his blood and flesh stopping only to look at Sister Bear occasionally, lying in her oozing stench and playfully gargle his son's thick life force at her, blood dripping down his long mouth, flooding a rock-hard animal shame stick. (laughs) (laughs) 
The sounds of brother bear, sister bear, and honey bear's screams blended together in the night like a devil potpourri that only Glenn Danzig would purchase. <laughs> Papa bear began slowly tracing his longest claw against his throbbing, perfectly straight cock. You know, for a bear, like it was surprisingly straight. You'd think they'd be curved animals. But... <laughs> Suddenly, just as Papa Bear was about to explode, Mama Bear calmly opened the door and taking a drag from her American spirit because, you know, jam bands. (laughs) She looked at Papa Bear in the eyes and said, you're doing it wrong. Thank you. (laughs) James Fritz. Keep it going for Dan Telfer, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Telfer coming to the stage. Any second now. There he is. James Henry Trotter had lived a happy life in his giant peach stone in New York Central Park. (laughs) Like an aged, sideways swimming sperm in a giant, dried-out testicle, he no longer sought adventure in the great peach folds of the world. He had grown into a fine young man and was pleased that he was never charged for the very deliberate and premeditated murder of his abusive aunt Spike and Sponge. Sometimes he would consider going out and murdering more abusive old women just so he could feel something again, (laughs) as he had grown discontent. Having experienced such large quantities of whimsical adventure as a child, he grew detached as an adult. He took up computer hacking, sold drugs on the side, and became embedded in the hacker world, searching for a deeper meaning to his existence. He had not seen his insect friends in years. He had fooled around with a lot of peach groupies in his early teens, sure. But he had not even tried to attune himself to his sexuality anymore. He was withdrawn. He liked dumb, sterile, sexless nerdery. He wanted to see past the algorithms of the world. And he hoped to find them through a legendary and mysterious hacker wanted by the government named Orpheus. One day... Orpheus sent James Henry Trotter a coded message, which you would think would be sexy, a secret message on a computer, but everything in James's room was green and gray and stupid. I love codes, James said alone to himself, practically begging the universe to unfurl into a galaxy-wide python and penetrate his tragically nihilistic sphincter. The message tasked James with meeting Orpheus at an abandoned loft at the corner of Wabash and Lake Streets. He headed there in the pouring rain, looking over his shoulder at what he could have sworn were government agents in suits and ties. He met some shadowy figures clad in leather at the loft. Their collars were pulled dramatically high, and in the dark it obscured their faces. They took him to the 13th floor, where Orpheus sat in shadow, silhouetted by a fireplace. Orpheus then invited him to break from reality and follow him on a journey. He extended two hands, one containing a glowing red crocodile tongue and the other a glowing blue crocodile tongue. And he said, what is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can see, then it's all just electrical signals being sent to your brain. Take the blue tongue. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe what you want to believe. You take the red tongue. You stay inside the giant peach. 
and I show you how far down the fleshy, succulent tunnel goes. (laughs) James Henry Trotter recognized Orpheus now. It was the old man who years ago had offered him glowing green crocodile tongues, the ones that had spilled onto the peach tree and magically made the peach grow in size. Eagerly, James took the red glowing tongue and slurped it down. He was eager to see how fake the world around him was, and sure enough, the Art Deco wallpaper around him suddenly became thick with sticky juices that dripped between the seams. The shapes of the wallpaper became seeds and fur. The entire room began to give way to bright orange sinews that bellowed like muscular protoplasm. All was soaked in irrigorous tissue, the fireplace erupting in fountains of the purest colors of salmon and sunlight. The whole world is a peach, James cried out. I knew it all along. The tongue you gave me is but a symbol, and I shall now awaken a pod. Peach stem plugged into my skull to find I am in a dystopian future controlled by a peach tree hive mind that farms humans for their carbon dioxide to further their monstrous futuristic photosynthesis. No, James. That is taking this Matrix parody way too far. That was merely a game to appeal to this weird hacker phase. Anonymous. That red crocodile tongue was not a symbol. You see, it's your 18th birthday, and my leather-clad friends here are your insect friends. To celebrate your adulthood, we soaked a crocodile tongue in a massive dose of magical wizard slime and MDMA, also known as ecstasy. (laughs) Now you live in a world of pulsating delights, and your body belongs to us. Rising from the back of the room, the leather-clad figures discarded their clothing to reveal they were the centipede the old green grasshopper, the ladybug, Miss Spider, and the silkworm. The glowworm was also there, revealing herself to be in the loft's fireplace, her phosphorescent vagina erupting the liquid colors that filled the room. She was also asleep, because even in sexual rapture, she is a very boring character. (laughs) Centipede threw James to the sticky tissue that was once the floor and tore off James's clothes with one flick of his giant maw. He lowered his pincers to James's member, which was throbbing against his will from the magically laced drug now writhing in his stomach. Centipede stopped just short of gnawing the penis in half and raised an impish eyebrow. Not strong enough for my mandibles, he announced. Time to toughen your stem up for some real oral arthropod action. Miss Spider spurted forth from her web gina, a thick, quivering fuckweb that connected one side of the room to the other. At the center of the web was James's dick. Silkworm then ejaculated a rope onto James's dick and suspended him in the air from the middle of the web. Then all the insectoid friends climbed atop the web and jumped up and down real silly-like to make his dick real calloused and such. <laughs> After it began to look as hard and proper as an insect person would want, Miss Ladybug ate a bunch of aphids that were now drug-like, filtering forth and crawling and spurting from the tip of James's penis. Because that's what ladybugs do. That's about all they do. They eat stupid-ass aphids. <laughs> Simultaneously, she massaged his prick with her lower mandible. Old green grasshopper just kept watching. He was an old pervert. Though, like all grasshoppers, he would occasionally fly in James's face, scaring the shit out of him. <laughs> Remember 
remember when that rhino ate your parents? The fuck is that about, said Miss Spider. Rhinos don't eat people. What kind of idiot would confuse an animal's diet in such overly simplistic terms? Spider then drank 30,000 gallons of James's supernatural cum. <laughs> Suddenly, the group realizes James's dong had taken such a beating that the real game was on. It could take them. They all began to chow down on his dick with their thick, old, bug-mouth things. <laughs> Help! James cried. My dick is going to be devoured. Not unlike the majestic, metaphoric fruit of my youth. Ah, oh, my dick, seriously! He's on ecstasy, so he's kidding, and this feels great, Centipede said. His cock, which had ten legs of its own, wrapped tightly around James's leg. Earthworm had been useless until now. The effects of the magical drug had turned him into a double-sided penis, which, heads up, if it ever happens to you, is surprisingly boring. <laughs> For while Earthworm tried to put James's dick inside his face urethra, it kind of burned him a little bit and just kind of felt awkward for both of them. <laughs> Feeling unengaged while his bug buddies jumped up and down and threw around James and his cock, Earthworm was drawn to the rain, his truest vice. <laughs> he slunk his double-dong self to the rainy windowsill, banged his penis face up against it at a weird angle until the window opened up, and he dangled his front cock out into the pouring precipitation, like an earthworm would. Suddenly, a buzzing approached the window. The buzzing grew louder and louder, until Earthworm realized only too late that the flock of seagulls that had once carried the friends over the ocean those many years ago, was now rushing hungrily towards the loft. Before there was a moment to spare, Earthworm was overcome. The gulls were upon the room. <gasps> Don't eat my friends, James cried, because even though they were abusing him, he was still a pussy. <laughs> we ain't gonna eat your friends, bitch. We gonna fuck you gull style. The gulls... Then began vomiting fish guts, soda can tabs, and other detritus all over James's cock. The insects lapped it up eagerly because they were high on magical molly tongue, so fish guts made them super hard. <laughs> Their weird exoskeletal dicks that biologically didn't make any sense pierced every hole on James's body. James clawed at the peach flesh floor, mumbling for mercy through the chitinous ladybug labia that was stuffed into his mouth. His fingers desperately thrashed into the floor in arcs, not unlike Miss Spider's legs as she slammed her nightmarish midnight tape against his eyes. James's fingers then dug into the floor flesh, and the floor gave way. It split in two. James broke free from his friends and tumbled down through a dark and fuzzy tunnel. The tunnel grew more and more narrow. His arms were now pinned to his sides, and he wriggled head first through the tunnel. Just as he almost ran out of air, his head pierced the other side of the tunnel. It was a delivery room. It had all been an in utero dream. James was a baby once again, doomed to relive the past, the knowledge buried in his subconscious that one day the rhino would once again devour his parents and his giant bug friends would devour his cock. <laughs> Dan Talbert, stay right there, Dan. Hey, Dan, let's bring everybody up for round two to vote. James Fritz, John Daly, Zach Sherwin, Aaron Gibson. Give them all a big round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. 
And I will remind you again what everybody read and in what order. So, we started with Aaron Gibson with Spice Girls. Then we had Zach Sherwin with the 95-96 Chicago Bulls. John Daly with Lorraine McFly. James Fritz with the Berenstain Bears. And finally, Dan Telfer with James and the Giant Peach. So, starting from Aaron Gibson, Spice Girls. Zach Sherwin, Chicago Bulls. John Daly, Lorraine McFly. James Fritz, Berenstain Bears. Dan Telford, James of the Giant Peach. Zach Sherwin, ladies and gentlemen, your round two champion with the very specific 95-96 Chicago Bulls. Big round of applause for everybody from round two and everybody you saw tonight. That does it for round two. Stay tuned for next week's episodes, which were recorded back on March 16th, 2013 at Union Hall in Brooklyn. You can also catch competitive erotic fan fiction on the road. Upcoming shows include June 14th at the Just for Laughs Festival in Chicago, June 15th at Union Hall in Brooklyn, June 17th at the Davis Square Theater in Somerville, Massachusetts, and June 18th back at Nerdist for the one-year anniversary show, which is also the first L.A. Championship edition featuring all past winners. More details can be found on the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Facebook group or by following me on Twitter. I'm at Brian Cooking. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.